Welcome to One Step Better, the podcast from Works. We're tackling topics to give you insight on a practical level to help your employees thrive in your organization and to help you become one step better every day towards being the leader that you want to be. Now, let's kick it over to the Works team. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the One Step Better podcast. I'm your host, Mike Schaefer, and with me today is Matt Patrick. And today we're going to be talking about all things growth. You know, we've been dealing a lot coming out of the COVID pandemic of having conversations with business owners as they are looking to rebound. Honestly, some of them have find different opportunities to maybe expand. Some opportunities have presented themselves that they didn't have before. And so they're having conver- we're having conversations about what it may look like to do that, to go into those, maybe it's a new market or open up a new location, or they're just businesses booming because for some people right now, it's revenue is up because of increased demand of, of services and products. And so we've been having some of those conversations internally. So we decided that it would be a good idea to bring that onto the podcast. Growth is an area that we are consistently talking with with our clients year round because of all those same situations, not just COVID related. And we've been a pretty fastly growing company as well. And so we've yep. learned some things that probably a, a lot, lot of, lot of what not here. to do, yeah, definitely a lot of not what to do. We've done some of this stuff well. And so we just thought we would share some of the things that we've learned over the years for that. Well, Matt, where I want to start today is I want to talk about why growth is important especially as a, as a business leader, some people are perfectly content with the idea of my business is what it is and I don't want it to be anything different, but that's not the norm for an entrepreneurial minded person. Yeah, I would disagree. Yeah. I mean, I would think that's not something that most entrepreneurials think they're, they're constantly thinking with the idea of, well, what is the next thing or what am I trying to do? You know, I always feel like if we're not growing, we're actually probably falling back and it's both growing personally and growing as a team, growing from challenging your technology to process, but it's also just the idea that, hey, we want to get better than we are today. So in order to get better, I mean, I feel like that's growth. So that's where I start. Growth isn't always up. It could be out. Yeah. Uh, it could be I'm adding locations or you know I'm entering new markets. Sometimes it's my revenue is just increasing or my profitability yep. is just increasing. And so in your own experience as a, as a business owner, what was it that was fueling the idea for you to be growth-minded? The first thing most business owners probably think through is the idea of, okay, I want to make, I want to make more money. So in order to make more money, I got to be bigger than I am today, probably. And so that's part of it. But the reality of it is, is growth for me really was the idea of, I want to help more people. And I also think I, there's a lot of other services that we could be doing or ancillary or offsets of what we do now. That would be a, a way for us to better serve our customer. So it kind of started with that with us, you know, for our, what we see from a lot of our clients is it, it, like you said earlier, it's, it could be a location change. So one of our restaurants would open another location or if it's a doctor's office or if it's a dentist, they added a couple other dentists. And so it allows them to kind of have that mindset of, okay, if I had another dentist, what does that allow us to do? Well, what if I have another dentist? So how many how, hygienists do I have to have? And what about my administrative staff? And what about, okay, how do I find more customers is if we're location-based? So how do I market? So that's where the, all the growth challenges start to fall through. So you, you probably haven't thought through all that stuff when you said, I want to hire another dentist because I want to work a little bit less. But the reality of it is you probably need to work backwards and go, okay, if I hire another dentist, what happens then? Growth is, is a good thing for a yes, lot of people. absolutely. I love it. It does have some challenges, some of which are unique, some of which are pretty normal. Uh, anytime that you decide to do something different, whether that's doing the same thing, just at a different spot. Or is you know maybe adding a completely new product or service to your organization. There's going to be some things that you learn along the way. Luckily, we've had the opportunity to to have some conversations like this with a lot of our clients as they have whether expanded from that tenth location to the fifteenth location, or sometimes yes. it's from the first to the second, or sometimes it's oh my goodness, I never expected business to go this well. Yep. 
what are some of the challenges that you get to have conversations with people on as, they're, as they are experiencing a lot of different growth? Well, burden? you know, I was thinking, what are the big challenges with growth are, you know, I usually think of it in terms of, is your infrastructure in place to grow the way you want to? So that could be a couple different things. It could be physical, right? So physically, do I have another location? But generally, I'd say, is your team set up correctly to grow? Is your processes aligned to grow? Do you have all of your, all the people on your team that you need in all the different roles you want to have? So let's say you're opening up a new division. Do you have that person on the team to kind of run that and lead that? Or is that another thing that somebody already else on your team is going to have to do in addition to that? So you kind of start to spread your bandwidth out so much that you really probably can't be as successful as you want to. And, and the other side of that thing is uh, growth is expensive. So do you have the funds to really go through and do it the right way to grow? You know, are you self-funding your growth? Are you going to have to borrow funds to do it? Are you putting yourself and your own personal wealth at risk, you know, for that growth? And is it going to be profitable growth? So you don't even know those things at the beginning. You're taking risk with a lot of unknowns when you're growing, particularly if you're going into a different direction or a different division or, you know, something you haven't done before. Infrastructure is always the biggest one that I see people a lot of times just mess up on because... It's one thing if I, let's say if I have one location in one specific area or maybe one or a handful of product lines or service offerings, it's easy to build processes around those things. But as I take that and expand that, or I take that and put it into a different spot, a lot of times those processes and systems are going to have a kink in it because they were developed with the idea of what was not necessarily what could be or what is. Correct. That is, that is an area that we see a lot of, or at least I see in my my role a lot of times, whether that's simply now I have to rethink my entity structure to, you know, is this going to, is my financial systems going to be able to handle this? What are my policies from an HR perspective? Um, is that something that can scale? And those are all roughly infrastructural based decisions. Yeah, we, we've seen that happen a lot. So we've had, you know, the restaurant that went from one to two restaurants, you don't realize that the owner is in that location more than you realized. Well, the second one means that owner is now split. Well, maybe that owner now is relying on a new person in a new role to take over that. What if that person doesn't work or is not working the way you think they will? What, what happens then? Likewise, we often seem like, hey, one restaurant isn't quite as profitable as I thought it should be. I'm over to the second one and, I should, and I'll be right where I need to be. Well, rowdy is it was probably a process problem. You could probably have squeezed more profit out of the first one first before deciding to open up a second one. So, I, you know, we run into people at problems. So it could be where we have this we have a great restaurant manager. Well, to, to find another great restaurant manager is really hard, as most of you restaurant owners know. So I may not be able to replicate number two because I don't have the right people yet. But, it, you know, if I have the right, is it a process problem? Is it a people problem? Is it a place? You know, it could be all those things or it could be just, hey, look, I couldn't find all the people on the team I needed. So it's just hard to know why is your success the way it is when you are one location, but also when you're expanding into a second one, maybe what are some of the holdbacks? You break up a good point because I know a lot of times it shouldn't be this way, but I find that a lot of times the, it, when the owner is heavily involved in the operations of the company and they go to expand specifically if it is adding a location, there is a bit of oversight that's going to be required with that second location that the owner typically just doesn't have the capacity to handle because they already have a full-time job running the location yep. that they're at. I would always think that that's something that would have been thought through well and, and a game plan around, but the reality is that's not always the case. Most of the time, your employees are not going to care to the level that you care as an owner. Now, there's always exceptions to that, but for the most part, your employees aren't going to bed at night thinking, am I going to be able to meet payroll? Or 
uh, you know, is there something that's going to come up and overnight that's going to be earth shattering and yeah, completely absolutely. make my world fall apart? I mean, if, and also like if you're opening into a new geographic location, you live in that area. So something breaks, you as the owner can go show up and fix it or you know who the vendors are, who you're supposed to fix it. Well, now if you're opening up in a new market, maybe, do you know the vendor to call for the right electrician is? If you have an insurance agent, do you know them well enough or did you just pick somebody out of the phone book because you didn't have a relationship with them? You know, so being in that physical location and, and being in a, where like, so we see a lot of restaurants open from one to two, maybe in the same town. That, and that usually goes well. And then they open up a third one, maybe in another area. And that usually doesn't go as well because they have to think through all the relationships again, the logistics of how they're getting stuff to that location. Are they using the same vendors? So all that stuff really gets kind of tricky. That's one of the, definitely the pitfalls we see. You know, on our own end, as we, we've opened into other, some more other markets, it's the stuff I really didn't fully think through probably as much as I should have. Okay, so if the electrician needs to get called, do I know who that person is? Luckily, we merged with a firm over there in Little Rock that had the relationships already. But I also know that there's some cases where, hmm, I didn't really think that through. I should have probably thought about how we're going to handle insurance or whatever it was. You know, so just one of those things that the physical process of developing the relationships that you have here aren't necessarily replicable in a new place. One of the things that we learned the hard way is, and again, we should probably have known this, it's just something that we didn't think about whenever we went to Little Rock, is that whenever we added that location, our workers' comp policy was a, <laughs> yes. needed to be a little bit different than yes. it was pre previously. So um, if you're looking to go out of state to a different spot, make sure you check with your yeah, insurance all agent. your locations count in <laughs> workers' comp. It didn't cost us too much money, but it cost us a little bit. It was a, it was a, it was a, a little bit of a stupid tax. Yes. No doubt. No doubt at all. You know, you mentioned acquisition or, or merging is a big opportunity for growth. I know that, especially like in the banking world, if you're not merging and acquiring, yeah, that's on the way. You know, every couple of years it bank. seems like. But you know, a lot of a lot of businesses are doing the same thing. But there's unique challenges when it's an acquis acquisition or merger versus I'm going to go Absolutely. open cold. That's what a whole are, other challenge. Yeah. What are What are a couple of the lessons that we learned the hard way about that? Well, it starts with I think making sure cultures align, make sure your leadership all lines. And I think we did a really good job with it. It's just something we, you know, we probably did it after the fact instead of before the fact, I guess, as we didn't really think ahead of time. We had a lot of the same software, same processes we thought. But as we got into the nitty gritty of things, we noticed that there were some differences in how we handled things. It was just something that would probably have been nice to know on the front end. But uh, anytime an acquisition happens, I think it starts with making sure that the people align more. Unless you're, you know, if you're acquiring somebody and you're just acquiring their book of business, you really don't necessarily need the people to align if you're just taking the, the customer side of it. But if you're trying to merge the teams together, that's a different animal altogether. And that definitely is one of your limitations in growth. You know, I think a lot of our limitations are growth are really people driven. That's, you know, I think our processes overall, most businesses probably have a defined enough process that they can rep replicate it, but they can't replicate great people. That's hard to find. And so you're only as good as the team that's around you. I agree. The, the people is, is a lot of times the hardest part. And I would say if, if you are acquiring a different company or merging with a couple of different opportunities, it's going to take longer than you probably realize mm -hmm. to merge those two teams into one cohesive team that's under the same umbrella because yep. they are bringing all their baggage, not necessarily in a negative way, but just their history of, well, I did things this way. Now you want me to do them that way. All the and historical perspectives are done. I got to yeah. break those habits and rebuild new habits. You may create new ones that are shared. You may take theirs in some circumstances, you yours in some circumstances. Yeah, just it's a challenge for sure. And, you know, I think that's the same way when you're adding, you know, if you're adding a new, you know, let's say you're, you're just trying to grow in general and you're a, a dentist office and you've added your third or fourth dentist. 
okay, that person has a history before they get there too. So even though your processes were tight, they're going to come in and probably challenge some of those processes and how they work and, you know, how they like to have, you know, their instruments out or how they like to make sure their patients are scheduled or what, what software they've used in the past to see all their stuff. All those things are going to bring perspective that, you know, those are all the growth challenges that come with adding new, new team members. And then you have to figure out, okay, how do you manage more people? So how are you segmenting the management responsibilities and the, the scheduling and all that other stuff that you'd have to do? So it, it just becomes a, an important process to really think through all the steps. And when you decide to grow, what does that really look like? You know, what's the whole funnel look like? Not just one piece of it. It's not just revenue. Absolutely. But growth can really bring a lot of unique and fun. Absolutely. I love it. New challenges, new opportunities. Some of those are hopefully revenue-based, but it's important for a business owner to understand that when they are presented with the opportunity to grow, that they have a good foundation of why they're wanting to grow, not just there's an opportunity, I'm going to take advantage of it, or I'm going to want to make more money. Can you talk a little bit about why it's important to understand the heart behind wanting to grow? Yeah. I mean, understanding the why is a difficult you know, challenge. It could just be like you said, I want to make more money. But as we've talked about previously, I'm not sure that's a, a great reason for getting up every day. I want that goal in mind of, I want to grow because I want to serve my customers better, or I want to provide another facet of what we do. But the, the why is super important for you to have this target that you're shooting for. It's very easy to get distracted by just adding more and more and more, but that is super disruptive. It can be a lot of brain damage along the way to get there. And I think it's, you know, over the time, you know, you may be happy with, okay, if we grew by 10% a year, I'm very happy and I'm going to make a good living. But you may be growing at a rate of 30 or 40%, which is what we've, we've seen. Like we, you know, we've had a lot of other firms talk to us go, man, you guys grow at a really fast rate. And if I grew like that, I would have brain damage. I go, well, I don't know anything different than that. I want to serve more customers. So we have a model that's in place to do that. But it wasn't without thought of why I was trying to grow that fast. You know, we were looking at, wanting to grow a different division. Well, that created a whole other set of, of challenges. Or we've looked at, you know, people that said, I want to set this thing up to retire and I need to, I like to sell it for X, Y, Z in five years. Well, we need to get your profitability to this level to do that. We know that you get to that level. This is what that sells for. So it, it's working backwards from a goal. It could be, hey, look, I want to get this thing grow enough that I am not in the day-to-day. -day. Well, that means you have to remove a bunch of hats. In order to do that, you have to set the team up around you. So it could be process driving that, but it probably is, you know, hey, how do I afford to, to replace myself with revenue and or profitability? So just, you have to work backwards from what is your goal and, you know, why are you trying to do that? So, you know, if you, if you want to give it to your kids one day, you want to give them something they can be able to take it and run with it. You want to have all the processes dialed in, which means you have to spend the time and energy to get there. Your end goal is really important because it's going to drive some of the decisions that you make. In, in the now to get there. And the why, I always think of the why is it's a burnout avoider. If I, if I come to work every day just for the simple reason I want to make more money, at some point, there's a, there's, there's a cap that my more is fulfilled, whether that's you know, 100 grand, 200, let's say it's half a million, you know, and, and I just want to make more money. I want to make more money. Well, there's going to be a day that you wake up. It's like, you know what? I make half a million dollars. I think I'm good for today. Right. But when your why is bigger than I'm making more money, it gives you a reason to get out of bed. That's beyond something that's going to get fulfilled. Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's the idea of that purpose. What's the purpose? And so if your purpose is just to make more money than grow, that's great. But at some point, that's going to be pretty unfulfilling. 
I start with the premise that I want to serve small businesses. And I like, honestly, I like walking and looking at the team and seeing that we're able to grow our team to the point where, you know, we're able to help a lot of people be successful on our team, but also help our clients and serve them really well. And that part's been really fun. I think it's the servant part. It's yeah, I get to serve the team. I get to serve our clients and I get to see them accomplish their goals, which is going to help them accomplish their dreams. And ultimately it's going to have a trickle down effect to their kids. I'm changing their family tree. I'm helping being a part of, you know, them changing their family tree. Absolutely. By realizing the things that they want to want to do. That's a, yeah, that's, that's kind of our why. Yeah, uh, it is. I, you know, I love the idea. And I think about our, you know, our clients that are, you know, they started a business from scratch and they've opened, you know, they may have opened a second location or added other docs and, or dentist or whoever. I'm thinking of a restaurant in my mind right now, but like they've looked at it going, Hey, look, I'm going to be able to sell this business in 10 years and change my family tree forever. I mean, it's going to be enough money that probably my kids' kids may not have the struggle that I had growing up. I mean, that's where you start really thinking through. I mean, I think about my, my grandfather and my dad who had businesses. They sold those businesses. You know, my grandfather sold it to his sons and he was able to do that. And then my dad and his, you know, his two brothers, they sold their businesses as well. And it's been one of those things where it allowed them to find their true passion after that, but also it allowed them to kind of know where they were heading. So just, it's great to have a, a target. Yeah. All right. I want to, I want to, we got a little bit of time left and I want to spend some men, uh, some time getting into some nuts and bolts of growth that we typically don't do on this podcast. We try to stay high level, but I know this is something that comes up a lot in some more tactical issues of growth. I want to talk through a little bit about the emotional side of growth as it relates to the dollars that come with it. I want to talk about some of the, the financial accounting pieces that you need to have in place to make sure that you're growing in a wise way, that you're tracking the appropriate stuff in the, in the appropriate ways. But then I want to start with the idea of entity types and not necessarily get into too far of a detail. But I know a lot of times whenever we are talking with a client and they're looking to add a location, they always default to the idea of, well, you know, I need to start a new company or I need to have a new entity. At what point do you maybe try to rein that back in? When is it a good idea? I'm going to add a new location or I'm going to start something different to do that under a separate entity versus I'm just going to roll this into what I already have going on. Yeah. I would always say it starts with the type of business you are really. So if you're a dental office, you probably don't need another low entity structure unless you're adding a new partner in that location or you're, so, so, so it just depends on, like I said, what type of industry you are. Entity though, what ends up happening a lot of times with growth is you didn't set yourself up right at the beginning. So now you haven't necessarily thought through when I decided to open up multiple locations. I, I had one location. I have this entity structure. Great. I'm operating out of it. You know, I'm, let's say I'm a restaurant owner. I'm operating out of that entity. Let's say I have four locations. My structure is not going to be the same. I'm not going to have four restaurants operating out of the same entity. You have liability concerns. You may have different investors at different locations. There's a lot of reasons why you want to have structure changes. So I think a lot of times it's just, it's, it's, not, it's the, not the foresight to think through where you're going to be. So I think the starting point is, you know, once you know that you're trying to grow, kind of think through the target like we just talked about. And then from there, make sure your structure and your entity selection and even like, you know, how you're going to fund it are all kind of aligned. So let's say you know that maybe one day you want to go public. Well, that's a whole other structure than if I want to have local investors that I can buy out in time. Or it could be where I'm a professional corporate, you know, professional entity like a dentist. Well, I know I have to have some kind of structure for those new dentists to be able to enter into or leave because that's what's going to end up happening with any time you have a professional 
group, you want to have a structure that allows for that flexibility of adding and removing members or shareholders, depending on the, the state you're in. But so I think it starts with the foresight of knowing where you're heading. It's important to know that just because you did something when you started your business, however long ago, doesn't mean you just need to repeat that simply because you're going to do something different or Correct. add a new location. You know, I think it's Be strategic. Yeah, absolutely. Have the target, but also it would make sense, a lot of sense at that point when you know that, hey, I'm going to open up multiples of this or I want to grow to this level. Go ahead and get your professional network around you. Get the attorney in place. Get your accountant in place, your insurance agent, your banker. Get your professional structure in place that you have the guidance you need to make the decision about where you're headed and you have those people around you to help you make the decisions. Behave like the business you're going to be, not the business that you are. Absolutely. That's the way we uh, put it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to help you in, a, in the long term with the infrastructure, and it's going to avoid a lot of headache of things that you may mm-hmm. have some missteps on along the way. All right. Um, another thing I want to talk about is the financial accounting piece of different locations. Is it always a good idea to keep those funds separate? Is it a separate set of books? Is it separate GL accounts? Um, without trying to get too nerdy about it. We're going to start it. talking debits and credits on a podcast. <laughs> so people are gonna tune I have my T-charts in front of me. That's right. So I would say uh, it starts with understanding, once again, your target. So I would say you're going to want to separate anything that you want to measure. So if you want to know how that location is doing, or even that dock is performing, or how a state is doing, if you have multiple entities in different states, then you're going to want to structure your books accordingly. Remember that your point of your books is to be a tool to guide you in your decision making. So if I decide to open a location in another state, I'm going to want to make sure I know how profitable that entity is. So I can make sure that I'm making the right decisions for that entity. I know that there are going to be different costs I may have to allocate or determine that I'm using, spending some of my dollars here for the benefit of there. But for the most part, I can pretty much identify a lot of the direct costs for there for sure. And then kind of use some just reasonable assumptions and say, hey, I know that we pay for marketing for everywhere. Let's assume right now that revenue is 20% in that place versus here. I'll allocate 20% of marketing to that for now. And so it just depends on you know, what you're truly trying to measure. Always, financials are designed as a tool to help you make decisions from. I think the important thing to understand or take away from that is make a reasonable assumption. Yeah, that, that'd be perfect. I see so many people wasting time getting into the details of trying to allocate cost or even sometimes revenue when it doesn't have any type of material effect. It's not right. a dollar amount that matters. You know, if, if you're going through the, your books or your, your bank account and you're sitting here looking, all right, I just spent $20 at Facebook ads and that's for location A, but this $45 is location B and you have a hundred of those transactions, you're wasting a lot of time in a way that's not going to make a ton of sense. And so make, go ahead, it's, it's okay to make that reasonable assumption that says, you know what, I'm going to spend $1,000 this month on Facebook ads. And, you know, I think that about 60% of that's going to be for this location and 40% of that's going to be that location. Boom, I'm done. And don't try to get into the nuts and bolts and all the time. beauty of that is you can make an assumption and then change it. So you can say, you know what, next month, you know, we, we decided that the revenue was really peaked. Well, I'm going to put more of a stuff to X, Y, or Z. I think that's okay. The details on your financial statements, you're, you know, if you looked at really what you spend, most of our businesses in our world anyway are, are people-driven businesses. So labor cost, your occupancy cost, so where your space is. If you have a product, what's your inventory really costing you to have and sell the product you sell? But the reality of it is, you know, three or four major items probably make up 90% of what you spend your dollars on. The other 10%, 
It's where everybody gets stuck in the minutia. So once again, spend your time and energy where you really spend your money. Know that those things are true and accurate as best you can. And then from there, test your hypothesis over and over again. This month, did that make sense? Okay, yes, it did. Okay, great. Then I could use the same hypothesis. Next month, if it changes, I need, I need to, to, to tweak it. But that's okay. That's the whole point of the evaluation of the tool. It's supposed to be used for insight, not to be, a, it's not have to be perfect. The overall dollars, you know, any account is going to know where the actual money went and how you account for them. But the allocation per store may be not, or per, per location may not have to be, that doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. Same true on your labor costs. We, we get into a lot of situations where oh, I have a salaried employee that is administrative. Well, and I want to make sure that they're punching their hours into the, and so, you know what, you know, at some point it may just simply say, I think about 40% of their time is at that location and 60% is here. And that's a set it and forget it. I'm done. And now you may not, you're not going to be perfect with that, but close enough is sometimes close enough. Absolutely. Uh, last thing I want to talk about is the emotional piece of growth, specifically when it comes to revenue and, and even profit sometimes. Yep. Uh, I know that a lot of times that the dollars can outpace our emotional ability <laughs> to handle the dollars. When you start adding zeros to the end of, of checks, yes. it can sometimes say, oh, that's a difficult deal. You know, I, I use the example of you know, 10, 15 years ago, the idea of spending $150,000 on a piece of software would have been, that's, that's a ridiculous thing. I, there's yeah, no we, way. When we're doing $100,000 of revenue, that probably doesn't make a lot right. of sense. But if, you know, if that $150,000 piece of software is 1% of your overall spend, not, that's not yeah. to say that you shouldn't be mindful of it, but those, those decisions change yes. as your dollars change. Yeah, I, I have felt that a lot over the last few years as we've grown. It's like decisions I'm making now, I feel like they're harder decisions. The same decision, I'm sorry, that's not true. They're the same decision I had to make earlier. They just have more zeros on the end. And so as we're adding people or teammates or as we're adding technology and you're like, God, I'm spending big chunks of money a lot of different places. The reality is I, I probably need to make sure I'm looking at that on a ratio basis, not necessarily the dollar spend basis. But at the same time, knowing that those dollars truly do still matter. Absolutely. So you have to evaluate them with the same fine tooth comb of going, every dollar I spend truly matters. And is this a good investment or spend for the purposes of us being where we want to go? And so the only thing that sucks now is the mistakes get a little harder. So, I mean, if you're writing a $10,000 check for something where she used to write a $1,000 check, that's a 10 times larger mistake, potentially. And so you just have to kind of make sure that you're always kind of evaluating it. You know, as we've grown, the dollars, sometimes it's hard for us to remember that it's just truly an investment. So you're going, gosh, I haven't had to spend this money before. This is a new spend, something I've never had to do before. But we're nowhere near where we've ever been before either. So it becomes where you're making these decisions going, I hope this is the right decision. And that's, that's one of the things, hard things about being, you know, being the owner of a small business is just you have to make those decisions sometimes that is this the best course of action for us to hit our goals? I know for me, I'm very production minded, very outcome driven, and I'm always looking for what's the return, what's the return, what's the return. And sometimes, when, honestly, when I sit down and, I, and I'm looking at our P&L and going through everything, it's like, man, our overhead costs are like crazy. That's out of whack. Uh, and I lose sight of the idea that the ratio overall is really what's important to understand, not the absolute, you know, just to give an example, let's, and these aren't real numbers, but to give an example, if, if my overhead cost of non-productive labor is a million dollars, man, that's a crazy amount of money. Why would I do that? 
But in context of everything else going on, that may be a small percentage. Of... Yeah, that million dollars is an investment <laughs> and it turns into where it allows exactly. our production employees to produce $10 million in revenue, then it was money well spent. If that million dollars of non-productive employee turned into $200 of potential new revenue, probably wasn't money well spent. That's an and issue, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you have to look at each of those things with the same fine-tooth comb. I, when, you, when you started talking about this, I started thinking through like, so our operational costs, you know, they are expensive today, but I also look and go, yeah, but we are also doing nine other things that we didn't do before. You know, you still want to have that expense mindset of, is this recurring charge right? Is this, is these dollars being well spent? Are every person on our team, are they contributing to our goals? But you've already, you know, hopefully you've made a decision before you hired them and you've already budgeted for it and looked at it. But the reality of it is, is, you know, you're making some decisions sometimes in the dark and you have to be willing to understand what that looks like. Absolutely. The dollar should always still be considered, is this a good spin or a bad spin? But the emotional piece of writing that check with that extra zero or two on the end of it needs to be processed from the idea of, does this ratio overall make sense? Am I, is, it, is this burning money or is this in line with everything else that's going on in context of my business? Correct. It's important to understand both of those components, especially as, as leaders who sometimes those dollars can start to outpace our ability to, to grasp and handle that from an emotional standpoint. So Matt, thanks for, thanks for sitting with me today and talking through some growth ideas. If you're a business out there that is experiencing some of these pains, we would love to hear from you and help you and share some more about what we've learned over time. So give us a call, send us an email, reach out, and we would be glad to, to connect with you and see if there's something that we can help out with. And again, thank you, Reba, for putting together a podcast. Really appreciate it. If there's anything that we can do for anybody out there, let us know. We'll be glad to help. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in. Head over to works.com for webinars, blogs, and more content. That's works, W-H-I-R-K-S.com. See you next time.